Hello and welcome to ADHD Her Way, the podcast where women gather to explore the real, raw and often chaotic world of navigating life with ADHD. I'm Johanna, a developmental psychologist, mother and someone who's walking the ADHD journey right alongside you. Before we jump into today's episode, I bet you might forget later. So why not hit pause right now? Subscribe and leave me a five star rating. It's a small step that helps us reach more wonderful women in need of this information. Today, I wanted to talk about the experience of overwhelm. So I know that many experience this and it's been a very requested topic. So I thought I'd delve into that today. But before we do, I just wanted to jump on and say that I'm very glad we are just over a month into this recording of episodes. And it's just been amazing to have such great support and such positive feedback about the ADHD Her Way podcast episodes that people are finding that they're learning some new things, that they are recognizing that some of the key parts is finding that community of other neurodivergents and how important that really is and understanding themselves better, even if it's a self-diagnosis or knowing that it's okay to start seeking answers and paddling and taking that step to get the diagnosis. So thank you for all your feedback so far and please continue on leaving reviews and DMing me or sending me an email. All very appreciated. I'm very excited that we have something like over 600 listens already across the different podcasts. And I guess that just means that people are curious, tuning in, and hopefully will continue to do so. It's so important that we get the opportunity to share information, whether like we've done so far around eating disorders and there's more coming up of those relationships is coming up and talking about different types of other comorbidities as well. And it's surprising even to myself how much it actually starts to make sense once you delve into it a little bit deeper. So today I want to talk about overwhelm. So let me set the scene for you. So I'm both a mum and an entrepreneur. I run my own psychology practice. And so my mornings tend to look a bit like this. So I tend to wake up well before the sun rises with an energetic sound of little children wanting to get up and run around, run amok as soon as they get up. Now, I usually haven't slept amazing. I struggle to get to sleep. And at the moment, we have frequent wakes throughout the night. And also thanks to my mind that just races faster than a hurricane. <laughs> just the constant thoughts, random thoughts popping up, leaving me more exhausted often than actually feeling rested. Uh, I also then tend to wake up and amidst the morning chaos, I try to pause and remember to take the ADHD medication. And then often I forget whether I actually have taken it. That experience in its own is very frustrating. I have a tendency of spilling my coffee, which is generally not a great start to the day. So whether that's on my own clothes or just everywhere. Over phones, broken many of phones doing that as well. And before I know it, my little ones is walking around and both old, older one and younger one are emptying cupboards. The older one looking for games to play and the, the younger one just emptying random spice jars and things over the floor. And then also there's just a beautiful soundtrack in the morning of a trumpet being played by someone who is in very early stages of learning to play that trumpet. Despite my best efforts, preparing breakfast, it's usually upturned by many declarations of not being hungry or simple turning of the head and refusal, which is a little disheartening when you've put the effort into making some really lovely food. There's often a rebelling against nap times on the days that I am home. 
and everyone to be herded out in the mornings on the days that I am going to work, trying to get them out of the door, just feels like a huge task and often met with a lot of resistance, mostly just because we're all as distractible as each other. With what I thought was plenty of time left, turned out to be only five minutes to try and do about 30 minutes worth of tasks, if that sounds familiar to you as well. So that generally leaves us to leave far too late and I have a mad rush and feel like I am driving then in a Formula One car, having mild road rage as people are taking their time on the road. And surprisingly, I usually run just on time or just a couple of minutes late, overly apologetic, of course, because that's just what I'm like, forgetting things and having to run back inside and doing that a million times over, that just gets you really caught up. Now, that isn't even touching on the amount of dysregulation that would be going on inside of me, whether it had to do with whatever hormonal phase I was in that month or whether it was to do with just a general state of chaos in my own mind and with my own emotions and how much I was actually attending to those. So that might be a familiar kind of scene for you. Now, I've narrowed it down for today and you may find it helpful to see it as these probably about five different types of overwhelm. It's the environmental overwhelm, the noise and the chaos Maybe for you it's also light and other maybe sensitivities, especially for those of you who are autistic. The sensory overload and overstimulation is particularly hard. And for ADHD it's potentially more the distractibility of the different sensory kind of input, the different noise going on. Then there's the mental and physical to-do list overwhelm. Struggles with managing daily tasks and responsibilities. So... This can be anything, whether it's to do with work or to do with the household. There's forever a to-do list. (laughs) And those who may be familiar with that feeling of like, it just is a never-ending one, just like rolls right out. And every time you look at it, it just makes your skin crawl, especially those responsibilities that you typically really dislike. But it's as if that mental load just increases tenfold once you become a mum especially and that's where a lot of the executive dysfunction really tends to show up so not even knowing where to start really experiencing that ADHD paralysis like around starting a task but feeling completely overwhelmed just because there's so so many different steps or so many different tasks that you have to tackle and you end up doing nothing you end up just procrastinating instead and for many that is one of the worst experiences um, I hear for sure. Big picture overwhelm is those life goals, that big pressure that you feel around achieving life and career goals, that forever feeling like I need to do better, I need to do more, I want to create more, I want to, you know, achieve greater things, I'm, I'm, I'm made for more than this, just that always that feeling like Sometimes that sense of justice does come in as well, being like, I need more purpose and there's better ways and more fair ways that that this can be. And so that can really start to take over when it comes to life goals too, climbing and wanting more and more. And then there's this dopamine hits from the reassurance, the achievements that you hit within your career, for instance, 
as well as being the most perfect mother for any time anyone says anything that that might be that I guess reassurance and confirmation that you are like that and when you don't hear it you're like seeking more and and trying to I guess chase that sense of happiness or the happiness trap it's a great book by the way if you ever look at it but yeah getting caught up with the big picture like as much as we're encouraged to step back and look at the bigger picture when we think too far ahead and want to just constantly I guess be in control of what's coming that can really hold us back at the same time and create a lot of distress when we're constantly thinking so far down the track and everything we're doing now has to be moving us forward and that can get us really stuck instead. Then there's also the emotional relationships that we have in our life, friends, family, even work colleagues and all those that really play a big part when it comes to that rejection-sensitive dysphoria. So the weight we feel of having these perfect relationships and to never let anyone down, which is just impossible. <laughs> like you're always going to, in one way or another, have to make some difficult choices throughout your life, whether it's setting healthy boundaries. And Katie, do you specifically feel that real burden when having to set a boundary? That's where the people please the early days hold, you know, that really eagerness to please, eagerness to keep all these friendships and family as close as possible and of course there's interplay of other things here as well if someone has also faced trauma along the way of course that is going to be amplified so much more around rejection and abandonment but for an ADHD specifically it's around even any felt criticism or hyperfixation or a certain mannerism that is just somehow making no attempt to have a negative interaction by any means but for some reason for ADHD is they really hone in on any negative felt sense that the other person may not like them or may feel disappointed by the ADHD and it can be real tricky in relationships. So that's a whole other ball game. So we will definitely cover that too in future episodes of how to manage and, and navigate that because RSD is one of those ones that unfortunately so many women in particular really, really struggle with. And that is where Unfortunately, we don't necessarily have the most clearest or strategies for executive dysfunction and that much more so, I would say. And I guess when it comes to relationships, it is just so nuanced and, and complicated that there could be so many different things that you could do. So also the actually dealing with the internal emotions, thoughts and executive dysfunction. Now, well, I mentioned that executive dysfunction does tend to cross over with a few of the other types of difficulties when it comes to overwhelm, including those of to-do lists and life goals and things like that, and just general day-to-day -day organization and planning. But the internal emotions and our thoughts and our bodily sensations, like if that internal experience is heightened by the fluctuations in our hormones, for instance, this is an experience particularly for those who struggle with premenstrual dysphoric disorder or a premenstrual disorder of any sort, really. Um, they probably experience the really heightened internal emotions and a brain fog even around at particular times in a month. For some, it can last a couple of weeks, so really impacting almost half the month where they feel really out of sorts and really emotionally struggling in that time. So I don't think we can underestimate that there's a very possible crossover for those who have ADHD and also struggle with other conditions that really impacts their internal experience. And this is also where we talk about that 
zero to 100 feeling, that that window of tolerance seems to be much narrow for ADHDers, and that is a theoretical term. We often refer to the window of tolerance being something where it's the optimal zone of functioning and for neurodivergence, that optimal zone tends to be a lot more narrow. So meaning that there's more quickly state of arousal and what we'll call in the polyvagal theory that our nervous system becomes mobilized as in like the fight or flight that happens so much more rapidly often for those with ADHD, autism, and it is probably because of the several layers of different stresses and already being so much on border of that window that it doesn't take much. And people say, like, I just I just snapped and my, my fuse was just so short. It seemed as nothing, nothing really set me off. Well, it's that feeling, isn't it, that there was just so many more other accumulative stresses when it, the last little drop can literally be something small falling on the floor, some kind of noise, and that could be enough to just snap you right into that state of dysregulation. So once immobilized, and if in that state for too long, we can become immobilized, and that is that shutdown phase. When our nervous system goes into shutdown or freeze, and it just stores all the resources, it it says to itself, this is this is too much. The amygdala has been firing for far too long. We keep on seeing all this risk taking place. Uh, both our internal and external experience is that it's not safe. So that is the next phase. We go into these different stages of our nervous system that we go maybe in and out of that shutdown. So that's where we get busy and, and procrastinate and feel time doing things that soothe our nervous system. But in fact, they are just quick fixes and don't ultimately soothe it. So we need to find things that actually soothe our nervous system. That might be part of our solution. So I'll mention other strategies as well now. So decluttering is a big one. So actually scheduling time to just declutter your space and keep it organized. Actually creating designated quiet zones is important. So areas in your home and office where silence is maintained. Noise cancelling headphones, these bad boys can be really, really helpful in terms of blocking out distracting sounds. Now, I find that I wear them often. It really helps when I have too much going on with the kids and there's vacuum cleaners going and there's music playing in the background. Sometimes I find it really nice just to have that blocked out a little. So in order to manage the mental and physical to-do list overwhelm, one really helpful one is that Eisenhower box. So that's the urgent versus important. So to prioritize your your list, like <laughs> what is both urgent and important, right? Make sure to just focus on those things that really, really need it to get done, like paying bills or tidying out a space that you've been meaning to clear out so that you can put other items back in there and only tackling what you can in the time allocated. Like maybe actually sit down and plan it out so that you're not just grabbing an entire cupboard out like I have previously and then just leave the rest sitting there because you've started running out of time. And then it's months before the next time you get that stage to actually clean. But every time you walk in that room, it's a, it's a mess and it's so overwhelming. Um, but, um, breaking tasks into smaller steps is another great one. There's various tools out there just on the top of my head. There's apps like 
Notion and uh, Goblin tools um, that each have an ability to break those tasks down into very, very small steps. And, you know, some of those actually connect to the calendar so that you really have it all laid out really quite neatly and you can just tick and flip, which is so nice. So one of these can be really helpful. We actually have a timer. So it tells you when time is running out, but you can actually visually see this. So you can purchase these in various places. So what I'm just showing is a actual little um, it looks to be a child clock. So it's it's like an analog clock, but actually visually showing you how much time you have left. Now you can also, of course, delegate and outsource tasks. And I really advise that for your mental load. But make sure when you do that, that you actually get the partner <laughs> to do it from start to finish. I know our husbands love to help, but it has to be from like the start of the task to the end. Like if you're planning a meal and cooking it, make sure that you know what ingredients that you you need to get and go to the store to get those, for example, or if it's around doing the washing, making sure that it is the steps from the start to finish that the clothes end up back in the cupboard. And I guess it's like whoever is the person that maybe does more of these tasks and it might be about fairly delegating as much as you can that the other person is, I guess, upskilled and scaffolded initially to be able to do that. And that we don't get into a stage of weaponizing competence can really be a blocker to actual progress. Those might be the types of things that need to get addressed in, for instance, couples therapy. So when it comes to big picture, overwhelmed, so life goals, setting smart goals can sometimes be helpful. So making them specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. I don't disagree that those elements make for a really, really great goal. I'm just not someone who can really stick those out, to be honest. So I'm a bit more flexible and I do like to set goals and I like to have certain timeframes, but I also don't put so much pressure on myself to have them done by a certain time. Like I find that I only need to choose a one or two to really be longer term goals because if I do more than that I probably just overwhelm myself and it's just moving between goals and just not realistic there's a tendency for us ADHD is to set ourselves up for pretty unrealistic expectations I'm guilty of that a lot and so it might help to do more of a vision board have a general sense of what direction you want to go in without like really clinging on to certain outcomes so for some that can be you know, a little Pinterest spree but see what works to you and this for some people, like especially regular check-ins, like setting aside a weekly or monthly review of your own goals and, and where you are want to be in life. It can be done with a coach or with a partner when it's around family goals or partner goals and or with financial planners, that kind of thing. Leave some of it up to the professionals to review it with you. That might take a little bit of that load off. We can probably procrastinate on that a lot because that seems overwhelming, especially for those who are maybe more impulsive spenders, and that can be quite threatening. And I guess it is just getting used to that discomfort, starting to tolerate it because it can be so important as part of actually moving towards the things you care about. Now, in terms of our emotional relationships and RSD overwhelm, I mentioned that setting boundaries is really, really important. So clearly defining what your limits are with others and maintaining healthy relationships when we are very explicit. So say really clearly what it is that we need and of course, make them reasonable and really improving your communication skills. Like actually doing your best to express what your needs are can be really crucial towards those around us. Like whether it is a partner, our children, our friends and family like trying to express I'm feeling really tapped out I need some support following your pride at times and just going it's really crucial that I get a healthy hand because I can't do this alone seeing if that starts to be something that 
you find a way of communicating with those around you. And if it falls on deaf ears, there's therapists to help you work through some of those difficulties. Now, for your internal experience, for some people, it might be really focusing on those mindful exercises, really starting to become familiar with your own body cues, with those internal hunger cues, because it could be that you get hungry. <laughs> like it's, it's, it maybe it happens because interceptive awareness isn't great for ADHDs or other neurodivergence. So making sure that you understand that when you're hungry to then eat, starting to play like practice mindfulness, whether it's mindful eating or mindfulness and meditation throughout the day, those will be helpful when it comes to actually listening to our body and knowing what at what stage it is. Is it is it actually starting to be in fight or flight mode? Can you do something to downregulate? We'll refer back to that at some other stage as well. Or maybe it is about you being in shutdown. So we're now immobilized and we're shut down. What do we do to upregulate? What things energize us? Also, tracking your hormonal cycles can be really valuable, especially if there's quite fluctuations that affect your mood and energy around those time of the month. And for those with ADHD, there's actually evidence to suggest that those impact the effectiveness of your medication and they actually heighten your ADHD symptoms. So imagine if you have a way of just being kinder and more self-compassionate towards yourself around that time of the month or whether you really take advantage of the times that you are really switched on and that you make those be really productive weeks. Also, there's you know professional help, of course, like for any of these. But consider speaking to a healthcare provider like a GP, for instance, and then getting a referral to a psychologist and or psychiatrist or counsellor and to really impact, you know, to really discuss that those hormonal impacts and impact the executive dysfunction really has that is not better explained by other mental health disorders. So those will be some of the things that I hope you have found helpful. These are very general strategies. I mean, they don't work for everyone and maybe it's more of in combination. They may have more effectiveness, of course. And if you want really individualized strategies, that's why I say go and visit someone and actually talk about what would be really helpful for you personally. And these are strategies that work for the general person. It doesn't have to be with ADHD. Typically, all of these, I'd say, have quite a good impact for those that's simply dealing with motherhood overwhelm or are dealing with just the busyness of what as a female the fact that we have so much pressures on us to be juggling so many different things and then also if for those who have ADHD the impact of that on top of it really does make a big difference now I will definitely be unpacking a lot of these themes separately in, in future episodes so do hang out for that I hope that you've learned something from it and my lord have I tried to record this actual episode a million times and I have been distracted by both noise and by other things that have caused many interruptions so this is just the true <laughs> the true view of what it's actually like trying to organize and um trying to organize an episode, hence why I've looked different in these different takes for those who are watching it back on YouTube. But I, I do think that it's important to just keep it real and that I hope that in the craziness of it all, and by no means am I saying that I've got any of these nailed. Thank you for listening. I look forward to releasing more episodes very, very soon. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe, rate and follow us on Instagram at ADHDherway and share your thoughts. We'll see you back here for your weekly dose of dopamine. Bye now.